Christchurch, New Malden, Sunday the 14th of May, 2023, 11 o'clock service. Katie Loffman speaking in the series, Learning from the Early Church, The Resurrection of Jesus and His Followers. Well, it's been a while since we celebrated Easter, hasn't it? Five weeks now, and a lot's happened since then with the coronation and everything. But we're still in the church season of Easter until Thursday, which is Ascension Day, 40 days after Easter. So this is a time to reflect on Jesus's resurrection and following on from that to what that means for our own resurrection, for our own eternal life. The Bible tells us that Jesus defeated death and because of that, he offers us eternal life as well. But what will that eternal life be like when we too rise from the dead? Well, we don't know exactly, but the Bible does give us some clues. The biggest clue is what Jesus himself was like after his resurrection. So what can we gather from Jesus's resurrection body? He came back to his disciples and he lived on earth for another 40 days, and a lot of people saw him and met with him. But some of them, oddly, didn't recognize him at first. We don't know what was different about him, but we do know that he was transformed. He could travel from place to place in an instant, and he could appear inside a locked room. But he wasn't a ghost. He ate bread and fish and did physical things like cooking on a campfire. He was alive and well, and yet he still had the marks of his crucifixion. But his wounds were healed, and they were transformed by what they'd achieved. So they're no longer a source of suffering, and they certainly don't limit him in any way. He can handle things, and he even lets people touch them, so they don't seem to be painful at all. And all of these give us clues about what our own bodies would be like after we rise from the dead. And Jesus worked as well. He was still teaching and equipping the disciples for the mission ahead, right up to the end. And then he ascended into heaven. And again, his spirit didn't leave his body, but his whole body, that same physical body, went into heaven. He took his human body into the heart of the Godhead. God and humanity becoming one. Humans were created in God's image to be like him and to represent him. And then Jesus filled his own human body with his own amazing divinity. And the disciples got a glimpse of that in the transfiguration. So in that one person, God and humanity were combined into one, unified in the body of Jesus. And that's what he took into heaven at the ascension. And we can be like that too, because that unity is taken a step further when the Holy Spirit came. Now, God lives in the human heart through his Holy Spirit, just as our humanity lives in God's heart through Jesus. Because our humanity is in Jesus and Jesus is in God and God is in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is in us. 
And there are several places in the Bible that talk about humans being united with God or becoming one with God. And Paul talks about us being in Christ. And this is one aspect of what that means. In Jesus, there was no division between the spiritual and the physical in his own body. And we get a glimpse of what that means. Walking on water, doing miracles, rising from death, incredible love and compassion. The Holy Spirit can empower us to do those things too. And when we're perfected and redeemed, when creation is renewed, we'll be fully empowered to be like Jesus. So we'll be projecting his image much more sharply. So what does this mean for us now? How does it affect what we experience here day to day? Well, it can help with our attitude to suffering. Nothing that we go through in our lives here on earth is wasted. Everything we experience shapes us in some way. And suffering particularly shapes us by the way that we respond to it. Not just our own, but other people's suffering too. Suffering can bring us closer to people because it makes us dependent on their help. It enables us to receive from others and that enriches our lives and deepens our relationships. When people at this church have reached out to me and David to help through uh, the difficult times that we've had through David's illness and his disability, um, that brings us closer to people when people have helped us. We feel the love that they offer, and that strengthens us. Good can come from suffering, and those effects are lasting. They shape both us and the other person as people, and therefore the effect that suffering has on us adds to what we take into eternity. Jesus, after his resurrection, was still very much the same person, and we will be too, even though we'll be changed and perfected and renewed. He still had the marks of his suffering, and we will too. Although, like his, they will be transformed. Only what is good will remain. The book of Revelation describes the kingdom of heaven as a city, and that city has a wall around it with 12 entrances representing the 12 tribes of God's people. And each of those 12 entrances has a gate made of a single pearl. And that's where the expression pearly gates comes from. But why a pearl? Well, when we think about how pearls are made, we know that they start with a grain of sand that gets inside an oyster's shell and irritates the oyster's body. So to protect itself, the oyster covers the niggling grain of sand with layers and layers of beautiful pearl. So basically, pearls are formed from the suffering of the oyster. So I think it's not a coincidence that the gates of heaven are made from pearls. We enter into heaven not only through Jesus' suffering, but through our own suffering and through the suffering of God's people. And somehow, like a pearl, that suffering is made into something beautiful that brings us closer to God. So when we're in the new creation, transformed like beautiful pearls, our suffering will no longer be painful. 
And it won't be limiting us, but it'll be redeemed. So when we go through difficult times here and now, our job is to respond to it well, not to become bitter, not to be defeated by it, not to be in denial, but to look for opportunities to grow from it, to reflect on it and to gain wisdom, to allow ourselves to be dependent on God and on other people, to receive love from them, to look for signs of redemption, where God is bringing glory to himself through that suffering. Because he will, if we ask him to, even though sometimes that's hard to see. And when we see others suffering, we need to respond well to them too, to be empathic and gentle, to make ourselves available to help, to talk, to pray. The only point of our existence is to bring glory to God and to make ourselves available for him to glorify himself through us. When we can pray nothing else, we can pray that. And it's a prayer that God will always answer because he's probably already doing it. We just want to be able to see. And what comes from that will be something that lasts into eternity. Because in God's kingdom, everything will bring glory to God, including us. So we need to equip ourselves now for that work. I mentioned that Jesus continued to work after his resurrection. He continued to teach his disciples and he was preparing them for what they would need to do as they started the new church, the next chapter of their mission. Another thing that shapes us is our work. Most of us spend most of the hours in the week for most of our lives working. And I don't just mean paid employment, I mean any kind of work. And the work that we do changes us and shapes our identity. Humans were made to work. Adam in the Garden of Eden had the job of tending the garden and ruling over the rest of creation, including naming all the animals. It was work that God delegated to him after he'd finished creating. And it's work that human beings still do today. So work is God-given, and generally speaking, good. But like everything else, it's become twisted by the evil in the world, so it often becomes a burden, however much we enjoy it. But what we do in our work matters, because it will also be something that we take into eternity with us. God's kingdom is described as a city, not a garden. A garden is full of plants and nature, but a city is full of culture and creativity. It's a place of community and societies, language and expression, and all of these are the products of human work. A city is very human. So what we do now matters because it's going towards building that city in God's kingdom. God is going to redeem and renew the whole of creation, and that includes our creations too. Everything that humans have done that's good, that glorifies God, that expresses his values of justice, creativity, and love will be preserved for eternity and transformed to glorify God more fully. So our resurrection in the new creation will include the resurrection of our work, 
And for me, that gives meaning to what we do now. When I look around at the jobs people do, most of them are about helping people. Not just the obvious ones like carer or doctor. I worked for a cleaning company once and I was struck by how grateful people were for the, the help that we gave them in keeping their houses clean, especially when they were really stressed out. Now I work in publishing and my job is to help authors get their books published and to get good literature known around the world. In both of those jobs, cleaning and publishing, I feel confident that I'm working in line with God's kingdom, working in line with his values, because it's bringing good into people's lives and making a small difference in the world. I've worked in publishing for most of my career and it's become my identity. I am a publishing person. I prayed a lot for God's guidance when I was finding my first job and God led me into publishing. And it's with his guidance that I've navigated my path through various jobs ever since. And that's made me the person that I am now. With God, nothing is wasted. So that huge part of my life will still be part of me when I'm living in my resurrection body in the new creation. I don't know whether God will want books published in the new creation, but if he does, I'll be there. <laughs> so knowing that about our resurrection selves can determine how we go about our work now. Are we doing work that glorifies God? Are we spending our time on something that the world needs, something that helps people? And whatever it is, are we doing it in a way that brings honour to his name? If the answer to any of those questions is no, then maybe we should think carefully about how we spend our time and whether we should make a change. I knew someone who worked for a fizzy drinks company and his job was to buy sugar and chemicals and e-numbers to put in the drinks. And he was told to drive down the prices as hard as he could. He gradually became more and more uncomfortable because he was putting his best efforts into producing something that was actually bad for people. And not only that, he was making life tough for his suppliers. He tried to do his job well, but it didn't feel like something that was glorifying to God. Eventually, he was able to leave, and he, now he does something completely different, where he can now work with integrity, and he can take a pride in it. And that's the kind of thing that Paul means when he talks in 1 Corinthians 3 about building with silver and gold. Everything we do that's built on the foundation of Jesus and his word is precious and will last forever. The things we do that are not will be burnt up like straw. Are you working on something that Jesus will want in his kingdom? Are you working on something that will last forever, built with silver and gold? So Paul says that because Jesus rose from the dead, we will too. We will have a resurrection body like his that unites the physical and the spiritual fully in one. A physical body that enables our spiritual side to have full expression too. One that embodies everything we are here and now and yet that's not limited by obstacles or aches and pains and never deteriorates. 
And that body will be an expression of ourselves now, of what we've suffered and what we've achieved, and especially what we've done for Jesus. But it'll be different, just like a grain of wheat is different from the plant, or an acorn is different from an oak tree. And yet, just like us, the essence of that acorn is hidden at the heart of that oak tree. And the essence of what we are here, now, will be there too, but amazingly transformed into our resurrection selves, full of life and filled with the light of Jesus. <laughs>